0: Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. All right, today we have a very special episode, number 186, talking about an internal topic, which is our Whole Whale University. We have a new course coming out, online fundraising essentials, and we have the official dean, dean of Whole Whale University, and also senior marketing manager at Whole Whale, Meredith. Meredith, how's it going?
1: Good, how are you, George? I'm
0: doing all right. I'm joining you from uh, my new house, Um, that I just moved into because everybody moves during quarantine. Um, (laughs) Meredith, where are you calling from?
1: I'm calling in from Rhode Island. I'm just here temporarily quarantining, but enjoying some more outdoor space than I had in New York City.
0: Yeah, I think we're all communing with nature because we can't commune with the people um, until, you know, freaking squirrels get COVID. (laughs) All right, we've been working for quite some time during a very challenging time as well. And the Point of this podcast is to walk you through step by step how we've gone about creating our most recent course. I'll, you know, note that we have well over, you know, sort of forty different resources and a number of different courses. Meredith is like four or five actual courses, not webinars, that we have at this point.
1: <laughs> Six on-demand courses and then a bunch of other webinar tutorials and resources on WholeU.
0: So the idea of WholeWell University is that we ideally, you know, have something for everyone. You can buy individual units or subscribe, but I'm excited about this online fundraising course because it has been in the works for quite some time. And Meredith, maybe let's start at the beginning. I run to you with a great idea saying, look, everybody (laughs) needs online fundraising. I did this even before the freaking pandemic. I was like, no, 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 this is going to be necessary. And now it's you know uh, it's it's table stakes you need to have an online fundraising strategy because guess what we can't convene for our galas our you know golf outings our turkey trots our you know walk this way with this many people uh for this much money event so we have to be online and i'm excited that we're launching it but meredith bring me back to the beginning i run into the room and say things we need to do these. <laughs> um, help help us frame how you manage an overexcited uh, CEO and say no, 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 no. Let's go through the process.
1: Well, this wasn't the first time you had done that, so at least I had some, you know, preparation, and I knew I knew this <laughs> the next few steps. Um, so my first response was, okay, let's like schedule a meeting and and talk through what this would actually look like um, with some other members of the team as well. And so we started planning this course, actually, with actual next steps for making it happen in February, we decided on the topic, um, which you had already uh, come in yelling about, and then we really zeroed in on the framing, most importantly, what is our point of view for this topic, because there are so many organizations that talk about it, so many courses out there about online fundraising lots of resources but what is our perspective on it and how can we make this actually useful for nonprofits and we we zeroed in on our our strength which is tactable tact, well actionable <laughs> practical steps um, that things that nonprofits can do to increase their revenue year over year and also not just be zero in or focus on one viral moment or one thing that is going to save them every year because so much changed, especially after we got into COVID times, it became even clearer that our framing of this as a drumbeat strategy with things that you were doing all year long to get a check month over month is going to be the most useful for organizations in our network. So that was our, our framing and our goal for the course. And then from there, we started actually putting together what the content would look like.
0: Yeah, I like the piece where you look at the landscape and say, why would ours be any different? Too often we come up with a great idea in isolation in our little bunkers and then run out and say, this is a great idea. Not realizing that ideas are cheap, not realizing that. Frankly, if you, the human, have that idea, several others probably did too in the world of 8 billion folks. So what you cleverly did is did a little bit of market research. So this first step is saying, hey, let's take a step back know we're excited let's look at what's out there why is what we'd say any different than you know joe and jane the fundraising professional Mm -hmm. and then we approached it saying like okay this is our audience this is our voice this is our approach i will say my initial confidence and my ability to sort of do this course the way we've done others meaning that I have a massive deck. I've prepared it. I've pitched it. I've done this. I've trained like many, many times um, prior to be like, Hey, I'm just going to jump in front of a camera. We used to do a one day shoot where I'd run in, run through a bunch of slides and then you'd have to deal with the aftermath and (laughs) you pushed us in a different direction. And I would say a more professional direction this time. So do you want to move us into the next phase of planning out the course?
1: Yeah. So As you mentioned, we had done this before with a bunch of other courses and it was was still easy, despite the way it sounds just like me being left with a bunch of recordings of George talking. But you had done a lot of those presentations so many times that it was really seamless. But this one became a much it's a much bigger topic than some of our other uh, our other topics. there's a lot more in it, and a lot of it was newer um, in terms of what we had presented on. We hadn't formally presented on um, some of the elements of this course before. So we had to build some new elements of our our previous shorter online fundraising deck. And doing that, also knowing that George is already remote, um, and we were trying to find some way to schedule in-person time for recording, but... That was getting difficult, and then it got even more difficult with COVID. So it became really clear that we weren't going to be able to just throw you in front of a camera for a few hours and get this course out because of all these different variables that kept popping up. It really needed to be much tighter before you stepped in front of a camera, especially because how we ended up filming it was George filming himself um, in his home. Uh, So without a director being there um, to help point out if you know, there was, um, something was missaid or something didn't actually make total sense. So we really need to make sure upfront, everything was clear. And so we spent a lot of time, a lot of our time in the preparation, creating a script for this course. And I think that actually served and made this course even better and easier in the editing also as well.
0: So let's take a step back. If you're planning a course yourself, I would say The most efficient way to go, truly, is if there's somebody on your team who can speak extemporaneously or narratively about a given topic in a certain time frame, and they've been on stage doing it, or they know it cold, and they know how to present it. The most efficient way to go, and the way we've done this in the past, is say, let's take a smaller chunk and put that person in front of a camera with a lighting crew and properly mic'd and a professional, and you shoot it. All in one day, because the more days you go, the more times you pay for the setup, the rig, the room, the the various elements the people's time of going in there. And so uh, I would say, you know, looking back, like if you're able to do that, I would choose that path like almost every time. Now, I was excited this time to be able to take a step back and say, there are so many elements of digital fundraising, of online fundraising tactics that we've covered in podcasts. We've covered on you know, some YouTube videos that now have well over a hundred thousand views of people looking at them. Uh, certainly with our clients, we have like a decade of working on things that you know really succeeded and things that are succeeding right now. And I was like, oh, I gotta put them all in, I gotta put them all in. So I created a over 400 slide Deck and presentation, which Meredith then said, you're not allowed to just extemporaneously speak through these, uh, and and you pushed me to do the next phase because um, you had created an outline saying like, all right, here's the outline of what we need, and I edited, went back and forth, and I then I made a bunch of slides that sort of brought that narrative to life with facts and research uh, and and case studies, uh, but then you pushed me to <laughs> to go through and put the words to it. Because as Meredith said, there was no director there. There was nobody saying, you know, you kind of already said it in this way, or you were calling it this, but not that. And so the next step of this is what I did is I went through slide by slide. And I actually used a handy way of recording my own voice to text for each slide, which I think overall I would do again, because it allowed me to move through it a lot faster. So just to make this very practical for you. Uh, I, I looked at the slide and said, okay, this is what I have to say about this topic, record. And it was a voice to text feature right into Google presentations. Um, alternatively, what I could have done is narrate the entire deck or entire section by section, which you know I think in hindsight, maybe I would have done and then sent it to uh, an audio transcriber that would have just uh, tossed it into slides. But what we had was essentially then a long list of slides with text on them which we then moved into the mega doc the mega word doc uh, mega
1: doc that ended up taking so long to load <laughs> once it was complete but was full of so many so many good tidbits um and our chief strategist officer uh and coo megan ann halt, was also a huge support here in tightening the narrative with that script i think it also having, having a deck and a script helped to build on both of your strengths. Cause I think for, for Megan, which she did a course with us as well, she did the social or social media for social impact course. She built a, a script and that was really useful for her and, um, to help build out that narrative. And for you, you've been so used to doing decks for so long that it was helpful for you to talk through the deck to show what you wanted to say in this course. Um, and so then help, we had both of you work together, mind meld of both of your strengths, pulling the things that you said to the deck, to the robot deck, putting it onto a document. And then Megan and I helped to tweak it and make sure that uh, those things that you mentioned before, you know, we're calling things all the same thing. We're making sure that we're drawing a narrative between lesson to lesson so it all ties together. Um, And even though at the time it felt like we were, you know, have a lot of, a lot of different hands in the pot. I, it ended up, I listened, I went through the course for the fourth time probably this week and it actually, it tied together really well. (laughs) I am an expert on this topic now as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The interesting thing is when you really, you know, put your ideas to paper, um, to that digital paper and then have someone else like almost like book, edit, review it, Megan ended up doing more, Megan Anhalt, our COO, chief strategy officer, doing far more than just like editing things, which by the way, when you speak extemporaneously, you make grammatical errors, you trail off, you do have uh, the need to be edited uh, in that respect, but she also went through and edited the ideas and kicked the tires and added her own and, and helped move things around. Uh, I would argue that it would have been better to have probably had that uh, mind which you said meld which was more of a uh i would call it a brain war um <laughs> if you know megan and i i love having somebody who challenges me challenges uh my assumptions and it's great uh it probably if i'm if i were to go back in the hot tub time machine i would do a couple things different one may have been to have had that a little bit more of a brain war in the outline or presentation phase to be like really does this feel right um because as we went through it was 150 pages of words like straight words which um brought us to our next step um (laughs) uh, which was the filming part and so normally as meredith said before we would do one day big shoot get set um that simply wasn't possible i was remote i am based in california right now and i cannot come back to new york for the foreseeable future So, um, you know, I set up as best I could my own uh, DSLR uh, rig with audio lav uh, hookup, uh, basic lighting kit. And uh, I had to do it at night because I also run a daycare here. I have two small, very loud kids that are being, you know, at any point uh, up or down or running around. Uh, So I had to do it at night to keep the audio levels normal and also lighting consistent. And so at night I would go through and this was different for me because I had to read from a script and reading from a script versus speaking extemporaneously uh, changes your energy, changes your pace and cadence and it took some practice. Um, So quite literally what it was, was an iPad set up with a reflecting mirror with the DSLR behind it running through and then a light ring uh, around that. So you're looking, reading a script as it goes down as though, you know, it is in fact a teleprompter. Uh, total rig cost, not including DSLR uh, under um, under 200 bucks, including LAV and whatnot. So like, you know, I, I think it's a worthwhile investment in general, if you're going to be going this route uh, to, to have that sort of setup, but it's a lot easier if you could have someone else help. Um, my wife did help uh, a bit in, in setting things up after I messed up a number of times. I had my checklist and going through, but I, um, I then plowed through and created a bunch of video assets that i then tossed into box um we love box um our friend brian breckenridge hey brian uh was used for that i liked having a separate area for our videos so i was like i put too much into these to have them lost some other system so uh and then sent those over the fence um what happened at that point meredith
1: well in the first few we did have our uh our video editor take a look at george's edits um or like his first few rounds of recording and provide feedback both on the setup and lighting and audio as well as um, on, on pacing just to get a different point of view from, from us who are more in the weeds on the content, so from someone who would be editing it. And then uh, she did a few rounds of edits on the first few lessons, just throwing a bunch of ideas for how the course could look using different font fonts and colors and, um, and layouts. And I picked the ones that I liked the best and provided feedback on those. And then and we created a formula, which I think was was the biggest thing. It was the hardest one to get to, especially to figure out remotely. Uh, as a non-editor myself, it can be hard to communicate how I want things to look to an editor. Um, so it took us a little bit to get there, but we figured out our, our formula. And then we had like a clear list of when... Like this kind of image appears, it should look like this. When this kind of text appears, it should look like that. Um, and that made the edit process much smoother. Uh, but even so, I still um, needed to do a lot of annotations to make it easier for our editor because it can. T- it's a lot. It's a lot of work and a lot of um, of little moving parts for an edit. So I would watch all of George's raw uh, footage and I would annotate where I wanted certain graphics um, or a certain text within Box. So I just used comments within Box, which was really easy. And then our video editor had a note for, you know, at 20 seconds, put the logo here at 40 seconds, add this text. Uh, and it made her life a lot easier to have those notes there.
0: That's so useful because we're like using one tool, going through and doing that. Uh, I have a bit of a funny aside here is that one of the pieces of delightful feedback our chief strategist gave was that I looked a little tired. Now, normally I'm able to hide that because I wear glasses, I need glasses to see far away. I use blue light filter glasses. And so like when I take them off one, I feel like I look way too young um, and not like myself because I'm all kinds of glasses. Um, And the other thing is that I then had to stand a lot closer to the teleprompter because I couldn't read that far away. Um, but the other thing that was happening is because I was working late at night, I was getting very, very tired because I was then being woken up in the middle of the night by my kids. And I was getting some pretty solid bags under my eyes. I like looked like just rough. I looked weathered. <laughs> so she's like, you got to get more sleep. I'm like, oh, come on. You know, uh, hard. We were asking hard, a hard thing <laughs> made more difficult. But I, you know what I love? That the team is so sort of like, Open and unafraid to give me even that level of feedback is what makes our products, I think, that much better. They're like, "Oh, how do we tell George that it looks like you know he is you know dazed and confused?" uh, Meets educational instructor. So yeah, I I think the the feedback phase was important, and not sort of feeling like, "Well, I can't redo that again." Um, And I I was uh, hopefully amicable, amiable, willing to change a bit. Yeah, you
1: you redid some of them quite a few times. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, all right, we go through you make notes, and at the same time, what I liked also is that there was a bit of parallel processing where that deck, if you remember, the 400-plus monster behemoth, our, our hired part-timer, which we do recommend getting somebody who can just be focused on this uh, because if it was somebody on staff, it would have been just too much work. We had a very focused, talented person working on the video editing uh, she was going through and fixing up tidying up the graphics and you were also you know sort of fact checking and saying hey we need to cite and source and, and find and and find those pieces as well so i like that we were parallel processing at that point too
1: yeah that was good also because there were there were as i mentioned a lot of moving parts with this the script some like things were being changed as we were moving along and the deck we kind of moved beyond the deck so the script, we were focusing all of our energy on the script since that was gonna be the most key for you for filming. And then we had to go back and make sure that the deck matched up in terms of um, you know all, all the copy or graphics that we needed to reference. If I could do it again, one thing I would change was I would not have our video editor work on the actual you know round one drafts until we had that deck completely finished because some things moved around and so it made it mm-hmm. a little trickier for her and so i would would have just made sure that was like solid set in stone before we did anything else but in terms of like having creating graphics together and uh working through what we would need when i would still have her be part of the process during that you know, parallel processing time, so that she was looped in.
0: Oh, I forgot. The whole reason I couldn't wear glasses is because the reflection. What was happening is because it was a cheaper light kit, the ring light is right in front, so, like, that reflection you see when I'm wearing these, like, if you're, if we post this video, but the light would hit it, and, like, would suddenly look like I've got, like, Ray-Ban eyes, like, like, glaring out, and you're like, well, can't use that, so, you know, keep in mind lighting.
1: We had received feedback in the past from students that glare could be distracting.
0: Yeah, and you can even see um, it. On
1: some of our older <laughs> horses, yeah.
0: So, oh my gosh, we've gone from George Runs in the Room with an idea to now we've got raw footage being edited together. Now we are in the final stretch. What is the next phase as you're looking at polished videos?
1: So we we use Vimeo as our video hosting site. So, um, so our video editor would take the videos from Box with the annotations there, put them into... Um, Premiere, I believe that's the tool that she used, do all the edits, then upload them onto Vimeo. And we would use the review tools within Vimeo so I could watch and then just like click at different moments and add feedback. And it would have the timestamp immediately there. Um, So that was very useful for her. Um, So she would put up each lesson individually, I would add feedback, and then she would go back and make those edits. And we kept the rounds of edits Pretty low mostly definitely around under three was was the goal um if not definitely fewer um but some things some things were were missed just having few eyes on it and she would do them in in lumps also so in like multi, two or three parts at a time so probably around an hour of footage at once so that it was still some piecemeal and there was some like progress being made but it was not just you know a lot of effort up exporting and importing a 5 minute video so being mindful of, of her time for the export as well and then once we got through um, the video feedback we also had a few calls just to make sure we were on the same page about the feedback and it, it all made sense because sometimes you know cursive knowledge I'm, I'm describing a graphic that I've seen a million times, but to to fresh eyes, it might not be clear which one I'm talking about. So helpful to have those calls. And if I would go back, I would probably schedule more regular ones um, rather than just ad hoc. So that's, that's one idea and, and feedback for myself moving forward. And then after we reviewed all that, um, we got to the final round of edits. I watched all of them all at once, more than once, <laughs> all in a row to make sure that it was all good to go. And then gave her the sign off and we wrapped up our, our work together with her. She, we also had a call where she gave us um, feedback. We talked through the process, a little bit of a postmortem, mortem uh, And then we now are able to move it onto our platform and get it for students to actually
0: take Well, we're not even close to done. So just a review, we started with an idea, we did some background research, we went to the planning and outlining phase, we threw that into a giant deck that deck was reviewed conceptually then uh, recorded and turned into literally a written document Uh, was edited, notated, then we filmed and filmed and filmed through a review process, then the edits for final video, review of that video for coherence. And now we're moving on to our LMS, our learning management system hosted on our own site. And part of that is now integrating the quizzes, the resources. Every time in the video where I said, and the resources are below, it felt so good to me because I was like glad I don't have to deal with those resources. So what does that look like and how much time does it take to say, move you know, an hour of footage or however you measure it onto the course? Because I think the assumption that in people's minds is like, there you go, they're done. Not yet. Not
1: yet. Um, we did do again, some parallel work here. So it feels like it moved really quickly to me because I was also, uh, you know, working on the video edits while that course, copy and uh, those activities were being finalized by some other members of our team so that is one piece of advice that i would always have is try to try to get as much onto the site as possible as early as possible so that right when you get up to launch when you're doing all the marketing and, and more things that we'll talk about in a little bit i imagine um when all of that is coming up you don't not still trying to you know add videos to your learning management system or like fix a quiz so we we were working on that, all that copy as early as possible. Even when we were editing the script, we were making sure to call out any citations or any references, any books that we mentioned. So we had a full list of the different, uh, all the different co- uh, resources that we wanted to mention in the resources below that George would be referencing um, and any tools as well. So we made sure to keep track of that as we were working on the script. and then. After the script was pretty much done, I looped in some of our our better writers on the team to help write the copy for the course. So they wrote the main marketing copy for the product page, as well as lesson copy describing each lesson. And they used the deck and the script as their, their basis for that. And then they also wrote out what all the resources were and found all the links that we needed to reference. So we had that ready to go. So we probably had that all done. When we were only halfway through editing the actual videos of the course, we had all the copy ready to go. And then while we were editing the second half of the videos, we were able to upload all that copy to the site. And that probably takes, well, this course is about six hours long. So (laughs) with with all the copy and we have at least six quizzes in there as well, it probably took between two and three hours to add it all and make sure that there were no typos and it was all formatted correctly. Yeah. And then we still had to add the video <laughs> and embed the videos yeah. later.
0: Six hours. That wasn't a typo. That wasn't a, yeah. you didn't miss here that <laughs> six hours. Um, another funny aside, um, we'll, we'll probably post this, this later, but I just gave myself a haircut. Um, I've gotten better at it. However, uh, my hair starts off short, and then goes longer and longer throughout the course um quite literally because it took so long to go through that recording phase um it's a you know, another, another fun i feel like we need a pop-up video version of this um mtv
1: speed it up or something so you can watch your hair grow really yeah fast. we don't need that
0: um just <laughs> silliness okay we've moved it on to the lms now we're in the launch phase but i want to take a second and talk about pricing pricing hands down, probably confounds more people more often uh, than almost anything else, even than the topic. So, you know, the question is, do you price low and go for a large audience? Do you price it higher and sort of signal the value that is inherent in the course? Do you consider Uh, what other things are in comparison, people are comparison pricers, you know, you don't know if uh, $70 is a lot or a little, if it sits next to something that's $10, that seems like a lot. If it's next to something that's 700, it seems like a little. So talk me through how you found the price point for uh, online fundraising essentials course.
1: So this was definitely a challenge. I, I knew as we were working through it, as I said, it's six hours long, there's a ton in there and a lot of other templates and downloads and resources that add extra value to it. All of our other on-demand courses range from two to three hours. So this is, you know, double that in terms of, of content. So it was it was clear to me as, as I saw how long the, the course was getting that this was more valuable um, or needed a higher price point than our other courses. Um, but at the same time, we have our subscription and so that kind of gives us a threshold because I don't want to price an individual course higher than our subscription since that gives you access to everything just doesn't make sense so that gave me um our, our threshold there of it needed to be higher more expensive than our our other courses to denote the value but should still be less than our subscription so within that range I did some research on other courses out there on the same topic um of similar length and also um, from organizations that target nonprofits or smaller organiza- smaller for-profit organizations as well, um, who have the same kind of budgets that uh, our our network would probably probably have for learning. Compiled a list of all of those um, of their price points for these similar courses, looked at, looked at our threshold and what fit in there, and then also did some modeling based on how much the course was costing we still hadn't gotten to the end. So I knew that there was a little bit more that we would need to spend. Um, So just looking at, you know, how many students we would need to get to break even how feasible is that number, and some of those different questions and came up with the price point of um, $199 for the Mm -hmm.
0: course. And as of right now, I mean, we're talking in the basically, you know, August of 2020, what is our whole whale subscription cost that gives you access to everything?
1: Yes. So our, our threshold was um, many of our courses are $129, but our subscription is $299. And that gets you all of the courses, all of our templates, all of our past webinar recordings, all of yeah. our guides. And
0: that's our real hope that, that that subscription is something that people choose. And I think you did something clever here too, is if you buy the, the course, you then get that discounted off of the subscription for only like X amount of days if you if you choose to upgrade to that.
1: Exactly. So if you, we set up um, an automation, I love automations. Um, so if someone purchases just one product, one course, then they'll get an email um, offering them the the discount or a discounted subscription. So basically they're only ever paying for that subscription cost. They're not paying for a product and a subscription. That's just not fair. Um, but they do have 30 days um, to redeem that
0: coupon. Mm-hmm. And we also have the guarantee if people don't like it for whatever reason they can contact us and we'll we'll refund that as well uh you uh, you alluded to the other element in here which is the total cost of the course now we're not even done technically technically with uh, the launch and whatnot but what is you can you have my permission to you know be completely open how much how much has this costed us not including whole staff time which would make it utterly ridiculous uh
1: not including whole staff time I believe we're at over 12k mm-hmm. for the course, so it's not it's not an insignificant cost to produce a course in terms of video video editing and um, staff time and also tools and your your tech setup. It's all it all adds up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's important to put that number out there because you know we've done courses for a lot less. To be honest, you know I think our record is like you know four or five k. For a course, I mean, we could do it for even less with you know less quality and just sit on a Zoom call and just talk for three hours. But you know, I think what people have come to expect is a is a bit higher, and I would say this went probably over budget. But what I'm excited about is that it is far more comprehensive, and quite literally, we're now going to use this as onboarding training literally capacity building for whole whale. We just hired somebody the other week and she's going to be taking this course. And she's excited about it. And it's going to get her up to speed on all of the tactics we literally use for our clients that we recommend that we have proven and, and researched. So it won't be like, what is that thing you're talking about? It is like, I mean, it, it is a great asset even for us, even if nobody buys it. I hope people buy it uh, because it wouldn't be bad to, <laughs> to, to make more than we spent because, you know, companies but I, I am, I'm really liking where, where this thing is ending up.
1: Yeah, there were definitely some inefficiencies that could have been resolved that in hindsight seem clear, but when you're going through COVID changes on top of figuring out how to run a course, it's just, it's going to be more expensive. Um, so we've learned a lot and I look forward to applying those to more cost-effective courses in the future, but I am really proud of this. And I know that we'll make up the money, even just on the internal use. Yeah. alone. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you love automation. We're moving into like this, this, you know, this podcast. I was like, Oh, I won't take that long. Of course it takes long because it's a long process, but we wanted to show you how the sausage was made. We want to explain step-by-step what goes into really creating a course of this level. And to um, the final points, uh, talk to me about the launch. Too many people, put something into the world and say, we built it, people will come. It's awesome. Folks will find it. And in fact, uh, it's, you know, it's the beginning of the next journey. Talk to me about the launch and your plan to like moving as we go through the end of the year, what kind of things do you have planned for, for promoting this course?
1: Yeah. So we, definitely gauged interest early, earlier than we have with other courses. So we had uh, a page on our site with coming soon information to suss out interest. Um, And so that also now we are offering those people discounts. So if you you are interested early, we we thank you for that. Um, And so we had that up for probably two months before the actual course launch and then We are, um, we started doing a pre-order model this time around. This is also new for us. So two weeks before course launch, we um, opened up the course for pre-order and we also, we offered a free strategy session to the first 20 people with George. So that is an extra carrot for pre-ordering the course besides just being able to get access to it immediately upon launch. And then we'll have launch. So this is a, about a week before launch. Um, so next week we will publicize the course and do an even more aggressive push than we're already doing for pre-orders. We're uh, you know, posting on social media. We have our newsletter and we are segmenting those two. So people who expressed early interest, they get they get one message and they get an extra little discount code. Um, are already subscribers. We just let them know that something new is coming their way soon, not asking them to buy anything cause they already have it. Um, and then everyone else just letting them know that we have this new product coming out. Um, so we'll do that again at launch. We also reached out to some partners who have networks, um, and asked them to share the course. Um, so they'll be sharing those with those, with their people. And then we're up running ads as well, um, on search and I believe, on some display networks as well. George, you're leading the charge. Yeah, on I'll
0: be playing around with some advertising. My plan is to sort of wait a little bit more. I want to use more of a remarketing pixel that I have running uh, on other ads. So I want to follow delightful people around the internet like that pair of shoes or golf pants that are chasing me at present. And they're probably around the corner if I'm not careful. Uh, so I think that's you know a big part of this as well. When you create the course from the beginning, from the very beginning, we thought about the audience and the ready-made audience, and tested that. We had a page being like, "Would you be interested in this or this?" and we kind of put it out there. We already have existing content uh, that suggests there is an audience ready to be sold. I get very nervous when folks make you know large investments in in courses and training materials for which they don't have a built-in audience. What does that look like? Well, we've been planning for this for well over a couple years. We built a pillar page, which just means a a super in-depth page on online and digital fundraising. So right now, if you Google digital fundraising, I'm working on the other versions of this, but digital fundraising, you're going to show up and somewhere, uh, the top three results, you'll see Whole Whale. You'll see this page that we've created. And guess what? People that go to that page are interested in raising money online and guess what is going to be prominently placed there our existing course so the seeds of this were planted long before we're trying to keep our audience engaged and move through in automated uh, and in direct uh, outreach ways and yeah like that's 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 it so you know as a As another summary wrap up here, you know, we started with uh, this idea, but the idea came from the fact that we had interest in our audience from we were looking at our own organic traffic, as well as YouTube success um, with a video of online fundraising ideas. People were were literally hundreds of thousands of views at this point uh, for that. So we went with this idea, we did the research on who else is out there as competitors, what is our frame and our unique approach. We then went into outlining and planning that outline, moved into deck, narrated the deck, edited that into a doc, cleaned the deck, cleaned the edited narrative, Then moved into filming, filming, then editing of the film and review of a cohesive piece, moved it onto the platform, worked out the pricing, then worked out uh, alongside of that, the whole marketing plan, the entire marketing and pushes and automated pieces, uh, getting that uh, in place so that we could launch on August 5th? August 5th, 2020. August 5th, 2020. And Meredith did a phenomenal job on this. And by the way, I think it's important to note, Meredith has two titles. She is the dean of Hoyle University, but also a senior marketing manager and managing incredible clients at the same time. So this isn't, I think, important to note. This isn't her full-time job. Um, a lot of Whole Whalers have two hats. Um, and I think it's fun. I say it's fun. I think it's also unique because it fills up gap time, but unfortunately sometimes it adds an extra sort of like burn the candle at both ends. And so thank you, Meredith. I know that this wasn't like a fun extra, but what a like firsthand business case (laughs) example that you've gotten to run? Like how many people get to go end to end on a product like this? I think it's, it's unique. And Uh, I I think after the fact, I may wait for the the full version, but what would be in the end of this one piece of advice you'd give somebody saying like, all right, I think I have those elements in place for, for launching a course. What advice would you give them?
1: I would say plan as much in advance of actually filming as possible, like have everything as ironed out and labeled and organized as you can and not just think oh once we start filming it will all come together it's kind of the opposite um so I would <laughs> plan as much as you can in advance especially for doing it in this kind of you know remote moving parts model um because it it is just a lot to to keep together and, and keep organized um but thankfully that's what I've My favorite things as a project manager is um keeping everything organized so um if that's something you enjoy this is the right challenge for you
0: yeah definitely with filming measure twice and then measure the fact that you just measured that measure before you cut and film
1: yes (laughs) exactly
0: Uh, i i have been told uh by my boss here that i'm not allowed to put any more ideas on the menu for for new courses uh, for a bit of time. But uh, thank you so much, Meredith. It has been a pleasure going through this process and, you know, we'll be doing follow-ups maybe in a, in a number of months saying like, how did that go? And I I like being open and transparent about the things we try, the things we win and the things we fail on. And I'm very happy with uh, what we have. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to bring myself to watch six hours of it, but um, it's, (laughs) it's tough. It's tough to watch yourself.
1: It is, but it's good, and I hope other people watch it um, because there's a lot in there, and it's 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 a really great course, and I'm really really. Proud
0: okay, of it. so for those of you wondering, like, oh wait a minute, is there a discount? That might be a lot of dollars, even though you do get a, by the way, guaranteed <laughs> refund if you don't like it, it doesn't help you. We are uh, we're able to give you a discount if you email us. Um, we don't know when you're watching us, so we can't say when or how. But if you mention, hey, I heard you on. That podcast, episode number 186. Um, and you send that to talk at wholewhale.com Let's talk at whole It's our general inbox. We'll we'll find you and we will we'll give you a coupon. All right, Meredith, let's get back to our day. We've got a course to promote.
1: Oh, yeah, we do. Send
0: sending 10 <laughs> emails a day Thanks, like George. apple. <laughs> All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank Good. you. Bye.